The name Condoleezza Rice is occasionally floated as a presidential or vice presidential possibility. We'll discuss that idea and take a closer look at the Secretary of State. And the government is considering an economic stimulus package. Will we get gimmick or real reform? Also, we'll consider how divorce damages fatherhood. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. Stop the spending first. Stop the spending first. If you don't stop the spending, then it's all going to go out the door no matter what it is. Senator John McCain is the front runner in the South Carolina Republican primary tomorrow, and he's talking about what everybody in Washington, D.C. is talking about, a stimulus package. What are we going to do about the economy? There's been a recent uh, sort of some uh, downturn, at least some signs of such. Uh, The stock market dropped 60 points today, even though President Bush uh, made a speech Not exactly a specific one, but he did talk about some ideas for stimulating the economy. By passing an effective growth package quickly, we can provide a shot in the arm to keep a fundamentally strong economy healthy. Uh, We've heard the idea of giving away $800 checks, $1,600 for couples. Uh, Would you like to see one of those checks in your mailbox? Is that a good way to stimulate the economy? We'll talk about that a little bit later in the program. Everybody's trying to put on the mantle of Reagan, and it strikes me as funny that they're talking about uh, sending these checks out to citizens and taxpayers and even non-taxpayers all over the country. President Bush was not specific, but he did hint that something would be done. And Congress is certainly talking about it, too. Well, some housekeeping here. We're getting ready for the March for Life. I have the privilege of being the mistress of ceremonies tomorrow, and it will take place. Uh, it be a good idea to get there around 11. You can get there by 1130. There'll be some singing and music going on, uh, a 30-minute rally at the Cathedral Plaza at uh, Ross and Pearl, and then a march from the Cathedral Plaza to the Earl Cabell uh, Federal Courthouse, where the Roe v. Wade case was first filed in 1970. The whole idea is it began in Dallas. Uh, let's end it in Dallas. I think it's going to be a wonderful event. Uh, it will be a time to be together with other pro-lifers. And uh, praise and worship will start at 1130, rally at noon, a prayerful march uh, beginning at 1230. There'll be a time of prayer, and there will be speakers. Wendy Wright, president of Concerned Women for America, who was a guest with Dr. Johnson on this program yesterday. Also, Will Hartnett, member of the Texas House of Representatives. Dr. Jack Hatcher, vice president of Christ for the Nations. Uh, also, the Bishop of the Diocese of Dallas and Fort Worth. It is going to be a wonderful event. I will be there, and I hope that you will be there to join me. 
also. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Condoleezza Rice, our Secretary of State, uh, earlier this week in Baghdad, of course, a lot uh, going on over there, speaking with uh, Arab leaders, our allies in the Middle East. She said that the U.S. government will continue to support Iraq for a long time to come. We look forward to a relationship with Iraq for the long term. That would be befitting of uh, friends who have sacrificed together to uh, bring into being this uh, democratic Iraq. In Saudi Arabia, uh, Arabia earlier this week, Secretary of State Rice said that the Bush administration is hoping for an Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement by the end of the year. She said the Arab nations should do everything possible to further the process. We have believed that it will be important for the regional states, the Arab states, to uh, do everything possible to encourage the process. And that, yes, uh, there should be uh, efforts to uh, reach out to uh, the Israelis as this process goes forward. Condoleezza Rice is an impressive lady, and some people have floated her name uh, as a person who would make a great candidate for president or maybe a vice presidential running mate for one of the candidates. We're going to talk about her and her life in just a moment. But I also want to mention that later in the program, uh, we will discuss how divorce sometimes punishes the best dads. We'll also talk about uh, what the damage, just the devastation has been from no-fault divorce in this country. That's later in the program. But right now, back to our Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice. You know, as this presidential race heats up, some people are wondering if it might not have been a good idea to convince, I know she's reluctant, but to convince Condoleezza Rice to run. Uh, or maybe she'd be a good BP pick, as I said. She'd probably say no. Uh, but she is a powerful woman, and uh, she has a lot of things to recommend her, and uh, someone else has recognized that and has written a new book about her. Uh, the book is called uh, Condi, The Life of a Steel Magnolia, and the author and our guest is Mary Beth uh, Brown. She is a best-selling author and speaker. She's written another book, New York Times and USA Today. Uh, it's a New York Times and USA Today best-selling book, Hand of Providence, The Strong and Quiet Faith of Ronald Reagan. Of course, we can ask her a few questions about the Reagan legacy, too. But Mary Beth, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, good afternoon. It's great to be with you and your listeners today. I know this isn't a political book, uh, but, you know, especially with the uh, racism questions that are being bantied about in this presidential campaign, the Republicans might have performed a coup by uh, actually convincing Condi to run, don't you think? Oh, I agree. Um, she polls very high with um, many people, but she especially polls high with women and minorities. And she is just a brilliant and talented woman, and um, she really would um, be good for the ticket, I believe. She's been President Bush's national security advisor, and uh, now she is Secretary of State. She's really been with him from the beginning on foreign policy, and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit, but also just about her life. And, you know, um, Mary Beth, I think, you know, my first question would be, what inspired you to write a book about Condoleezza Rice? I mean, she is an accomplished woman, but why choose her? Um, the reason I decided to write about her is she is a fascinating person, but when I looked at her life, I found many life lessons that can help everyone. I found things that she said, words of wisdom that helped me, and I thought it could help other people. Uh, she's a woman who's overcome tremendous obstacles, and her life reads like a novel. She was born in segregated uh, Birmingham, Alabama, in a time of violence and upheaval. 
and it's because of her own determination and drive. Today, she's one of the most powerful women in the world. So I just found a lot of inspiring things that she's said and done. I think a lot of our listeners might be interested to know that she did come from a religious family, didn't she? Oh, yes, um, she did. Her father was a Presbyterian minister, and both sides of her family, um, they've been strong Christians for many years. In fact, um, she says about her own faith, she, when the um, topic comes up, she says that her faith is a, a part of everything that she does, and it's not something that she can set outside of anything because it's such an integral part of who she is. Um, and she also relies on God for her inner strength, but she's not one to wear it on her sleeve, so to speak. We're talking about Condoleezza Rice. If you'd like to weigh in or ask a question of our author, who is an expert, having written this book, uh, Condi, The Life of a Steel Magnolia, give us a call at 800-881-9270. Uh, would you support her if somebody picked her as a vice presidential uh, running mate? Uh, or do you have any other thoughts or uh, Things you want to say about Condoleezza Rice. Again, the number is 800-881-9270. Mary Beth Brown is the author of this book, and she's with me today. Uh, what do you think Condi would say if one of the candidates, if who, whoever's nominated on the Republican side, asked her to run with them? Um, I think she would say yes. And the reason I say that is if you look back at different things she said, she said that what she likes to do is do a good job at it, what she's doing at the present time and not look too far forward. But she said anything exciting that's ever happened to her life has come to her, basically. And I think if this opportunity did come up, that she would definitely run. I don't think she'd enjoy campaigning, though. <laughs> well, she's done campaigning, though, with um, President Bush both different times when he ran. So she's a seasoned Campaigner. Can you talk a little bit about her loyalty uh, to President Bush? Because she was an advisor to him as he ran uh, in the beginning, in uh, 2000. And then, she, of course, she served in his administration twice. But she really has been through thick and thin with him, hasn't she? Uh, yes, she has. Um, they get along really well. I think they have a lot of similarities. And they. Um, I think that's one part that she can advise him is because they have these similarities. And one thing she said is um, President Bush is very much his own person, but she sees herself as an option quarterback when she um, gives him counsel in that. So she's um, okay. laying it all out there, but she um, will fulfill what he asks her to do. I'm sure she's had to bite her tongue a few times. Let's go now to Ginger in Arlington. Ginger, thanks for calling. Hi, how are you doing? Great. Um, just wanted to make a couple of comments about Condoleezza Rice. I think she is um, a picture of grace. Um, I think that she is a woman for young girls to look up to, mm -hmm. both, both socially um, and also in her race. I have two granddaughters that are black, and I would love them to look at her as a role model for black women. Um, I think she carries herself very well. And um, she's just, I, I just really admire her a lot. And basically, that's all I wanted to say. Thanks for weighing in, Ginger. Uh, I have a question, Mary Beth, about mm -hmm. Condi Rice. And I know, you know, we've talked about her faith, and she's certainly a conservative. Uh, but I have never heard her talk about where she stands on the issue of human life, which has become such a big issue for people, and we're really thinking about this week. Is mm -hmm. she pro life? 
Um, she says she's um, a libertarian and that she really thinks abortion is terrible and that the government shouldn't be involved making laws about it. But uh, that's, you know, I think I differ slightly with her on that, but that's how she's answered that. So she would basically be for a woman's right to choose abortion if if needed or if, if she they would, felt it was uh, no, necessary? No, she thinks it's a, a terrible thing, and so she would not be for that. But but she's not pro-life either? Um, not that I've seen. Interesting. Okay, let's go to Renee in Dallas. Renee, thanks for calling. Hi. Um, what do we know about her personal life? And the reason I bring it up is I love Condi. I think that she is just a remarkable woman um, for all the reasons cited, but I've just heard scurrilous rumors about her personal life, and I just was wondering if if there's anything known or... Hmm. You're not. You're not going to give us any specifics. <laughs> well, okay. I really. I would prefer not to. But okay. Okay. Well, then let's not. Let's just go to Mary Beth. Mary Beth. Uh, you know, from what I know about Condi Rice, what I've read before, she's got a pretty upstanding life. What do you say? Um, yes, I think she's a woman of high character. Um, she was engaged once in her life when she was in her twenties um, to a professional football player from Denver. And um, at that time, though, she said it just wasn't the right person at the right time. But um, when she was asked about, you know, will she ever get married, she said it doesn't mean it won't happen someday. But I'm a deeply religious person, and my life, I think, has unfolded as it's supposed to. But she said, when, um, would she be open to meeting Mr. Wright? She said, I don't have much time right now, but sure, who wouldn't be? Yeah, I guess not. I hear she's uh, very disciplined with regard to exercise and uh, just keeping herself in shape for this very, very important job that she has. Uh, This is a fascinating book and really, I think, a great tribute to somebody who served our country well. Whether or not she continues in politics, uh, she certainly has a wonderful future ahead of her. Thank you so much, uh, Mary Beth, for writing the book and for joining us today. Oh, thank you. And if they want more information, they can go to condibook.com. Condibook.com. The book is uh, Condi, The Life of a Steel Magnolia, a good description of our Secretary of State. Well, next up, uh, we're going to ask you the question. When we think about this whole uh, stimulus package, do you want to see a check in your mailbox for $800 if you're single, $1,600 if you're a couple? These aren't the exact specifics. We don't know what those are yet, but these numbers have been floated. Do you think this is a good idea or is it a gimmick? Give us a call, 800-881-9270. The Bible says for every time there is a season, and this is a new season at the Criswell College in Dallas. Enroll now for the spring term starting January 21st. Criswell College has a practical, intense, and comprehensive approach to ministry training. We provide encounter missions and get students out into the churches and into the world so they can learn by application and experience. We cover all aspects of ministry, from counseling to biblical languages, from Jewish and Old Testament studies to New Testament studies, from the ancient world to modern cultures. I'm Dr. Barry Creamer. And as Associate Professor of Humanities, I get to know the students, and I'm excited about their personal vision for ministry. Come to Criswell College, and let's impact the world together for Christ. Call 800-899-0012. That's 800-899-0012. Or check us out on the web at criswell.edu. Classes begin January 21st at the Criswell College in Dallas.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Americans could use this money as they see fit to help meet their monthly bills, cover higher costs at the gas pump, or pay for other basic necessities. But don't put it in the savings account and don't pay off your credit card because if you do, you will not do what uh, the intention is for the stimulus package that's being talked about, and that is to stimulate the economy to get this money out in the system. And uh, one of the ideas that's being floated, now it certainly has not uh, had any stamp of legislative uh, approval or even uh, there's not even been a bill introduced. President Bush has not specifically used any numbers, but he is talking about a rebate to taxpayers. Privately, the White House has discussed its support for a tax rebate of as much as $800 for individual taxpayers or $1,600 for couples. So here's the interesting part about this stimulus bill uh, is that it's been divorced from the tax cut. There was been a lot of argument and discussion this week about uh, Republicans saying we're not going to do any stimulus package without saying that the president that the Bush tax cuts of 2001 and 2003 would be extended, uh, made permanent. Uh, but the Republicans are now signaling that they will leave that issue for later and they'll go ahead and negotiate with Democrats on a stimulus package. The tax rebates that President Bush talked about today in a speech, a very general speech on this, he says could help jumpstart the economy. Letting Americans keep more of their own money should increase consumer spending and lift our economy at a time when people otherwise might spend less. So what do you think of this idea? Do you think it's a good idea to send out checks to taxpayers, $800 perhaps, as much as that at least, $1,600 per couple? Uh, Some people think it's a good idea. Others think it's not a good idea. Apparently, all of the talk about economic negativism has got Congress in a tizzy to act. And uh, even uh, the presidential candidates are talking about this. President Bush said this stimulus package must also help businesses. To be effective, a growth package must include tax incentive for American businesses, including small businesses, to make major investments in their enterprises this year. And, of course, those investments would then uh, allow them to employ more people. Uh, Unemployment has risen a little bit. It's right around 5%, which is considered full employment. But there is some concern about impending recession. Uh, President Bush believes the White House and Congress are basically on the same page right now in the economy. I believe there is enough broad consensus that we can come up with a package that can be approved with bipartisan support. Now, these things take time, uh, but this is going to work its way through the system fairly quickly. I think uh, Republicans and Democrats are both uh, kind of raring to go and want to act on this. But, uh, you know, the whole idea about this is that if you save it, it's not really going to do what it was purported to do. Uh, The purpose of this is to stimulate the economy, to put more money in the economy, and to get people spending. So if you get one of these checks, will you save it? We use it to pay down credit card debt, or you go out and buy, uh, I don't know, maybe a flat screen TV, a small one, though, with your $800 or your $1,600. Give us a call and let us know if you think this is a good idea, or is this some sort of a gimmick, uh, maybe to get votes for one party or another, or uh, just to get everybody feeling better about the economy so the stock market doesn't crash? Our number again is 800-881-9270. Well, one person who says that we really have to do something is New York Senator Chuck Schumer. And uh, he says the important thing is to get new money to the middle class. By putting money in the hands 
of middle class and working families that need it most, we can jumpstart consumer spending that is needed to get the economy back on track and either avoid or mitigate a recession. Another issue up for discussion here is who would get this money. Uh, what about people who don't pay taxes? About half the populace doesn't. And uh, so what about those people? Would they still get this as some sort of a welfare check? It certainly wouldn't be a rebate. Uh, what about those in the top tier of the country? They pay a lot of taxes. Would they get a rebate? That is another uh, issue up for discussion. And we are taking your calls on this matter. What do you think about it? Angela is in Ranger. Angela, thanks for calling. Thank you. Um I'd like to buy a flat screen TV, <laughs> but I think I'm going to put it towards uh, paying off a credit card. I'm one of these uh, borrowers who made the unfortunate choice to do the adjustable rate mortgages, and we have been trying and trying to get refinanced, and short of getting refinanced, we need to get rid of some other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so you're being, you'd be conservative with the money. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you've really been caught by uh, the, uh, I guess, really the root cause, some are saying, of our economic problems, which is this whole uh, mortgage uh, issue. Yeah. I mean, I never thought I'd sign an adjustable rate mortgage. I thought I was smarter than that, but then I let somebody talk me into it. And, you know, we thought we would be able to get a refinance and get out of it. Unfortunately, you can't predict the future. And how did we know that so many mortgage companies would stop writing you know, uh, certain tiers of people. And we've, do- we've come back from several job losses and, you know, are doing quite well in terms of, you know, God scoring us and everything. I can't say anything other than that God has done that for us. But we're just not quite there. And I, I would hate to see us take steps backwards instead of forward. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking that money and putting it where it's going to do the most good. Well, it sounds like a wise idea for your family. Angela, thank you so much for calling. We wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Let's go now to Larry in San Angelo. Larry, thank you so much for calling. Yeah, uh, I think I would probably end up saving that, that 800 if that's what it's going to be um, and put it in some type of uh, bank that, that has a high yield. Um, I'm, I'm doing pretty, I'm in the oil business, and uh, I, think, I think just putting that money up and saving it for a rainy day is probably what I'm going to end up doing. Okay, if Congress, if any members of Congress are listening to this program, uh, they're finding that our listeners aren't going to cooperate with the stimulus plan because one is going to pay back uh, debt and uh, you, Larry, are going to save it. So uh, wise things for your family, but not so great for stimulating the economy. Thank you so much for calling. We appreciate it. Senator John McCain, of course, running for president. He's the front runner right now and the front runner in a big primary tomorrow in South Carolina. He told us a campaign uh, rally there that excessive government spending is what has soured the economy. We let spending get completely out of control, and it goes on to this day, and I am sorry to tell you that. Uh, He also says that failure to control government spending has damaged really the fundamentals of our economy. We let spending get completely out of control many years ago, and that spending has eroded much of the fiscal base of this nation. And I might mention one of his advisors who is kind of well-known in this country as somebody who uh, understands the economy and was sort of uh, in the Reagan mold of uh, supply-side economics is Jack Kemp, used to be in Congress. And he says the economy doesn't need a stimulus. It just needs lower tax rates on the factors of production. If you cut the corporate income tax rate, you not only lower the cost of capital, 
lower the cost of production, lower the cost of labor. You increase the demand for dollars around the world so it's anti-inflationary by strengthening the dollar, really solving a lot of economic problems. doesn't sound like he's advising uh, this rebate. Well, let's go back to the phones and hear what you think. Stacy is in Wichita Falls. Stacy, thanks for calling. Hello, how are you? Great. Um, me and my husband and our, I guess, 1600 is how much you get for a family, uh, for a married couple. Yeah, and this is just being floated. There has been no bill put forward oh, with okay. any amounts. Right. Well, we're going to do just probably like uh, 95% of America and pay off bills. We're not going to go and get ourselves in any more debt, any more, you know, we're trying to get out of that situation. So, no, we're, we're going to spend our money on... Uh, on paying off credit cards, paying off stuff that we already have. All right, Stacy. thank you very much for waiting in, uh, weighing in. We appreciate it. We've got some very fiscally conservative listeners, folks that are going to do things that are very uh, positive for their financial picture at home. But it's not what Congress has, not what the White House has in mind with these rebates. Let's go to Letitia in Mansfield. Letitia, thank you for calling. Thank you. Um, I was calling to say me and my husband have talked about um, – Instead of saving it and putting it toward, you know, credit card debt, which we don't have, we don't live on credit cards, um, we were talking about putting it on a down payment towards a hybrid vehicle. Very interesting. Now, why are you choosing a hybrid? Well, we currently have a a Ford F-150, and um, I just think that it's, you know, I'd like to go a little greener. Mm -hmm. And are you worried about gas prices also? I am, yeah. So I would like something that's a little more economical. And I think that overall it would help us in the end, you know, on our gas budget. It's just gone crazy. Have you priced out the cars? I have, yeah. And they are more expensive than a regular one. Um, But I think in the end that it, I mean, I could see that it would help us to lower our gas bills. All right, Letitia, uh, thank you so much for weighing in. We appreciate it. And you would be doing exactly what... uh, Congress and the White House would like you to do. You'd be spending that money and putting it into the economy, and uh, that's what they're hoping for. Let's go now to Tyler in Arlington. Tyler, thank you for calling. Hey, thanks, Jim. I call Penna. Um, a few things. I read one report um, regarding the people that, that they are targeting this are for single incomes being under eighty thousand and married couples being under one hundred sixteen. So it's the middle class. It's the middle class. The upper class will not get the rebate, even though they pay the most in taxes. Right. And, and the second thing I wanted to touch base was, um, you know, if 50 million Americans do get a check of $600 and all of them put it in the bank, that's an extra $30 billion back into the, the liquidity market for the banks to go turn back around and loan to people. So either by saving it or using it to pay off debt, that's still putting it into the economy to be used. The only way that's not being in the economy is that people cash a check, and then stuff the the money into the mattress. Mm. So it would help the system somewhat, even if people put uh, the money in the savings account. Absolutely, because banks can only lend what they have on deposit. And that's why banks are in such credit crisis right now, because their deposit level is so low comparatively to what it was, say, 20, 30, 40 years ago. That's why everyone's in the stretch, because there's not enough cash on hand. Tyler, thank you so much for calling, and everybody, thanks for weighing in on this. Uh, I think the White House should listen to this program. Congress, uh, members of Congress should listen. They'd get a good idea of what the American people would do with this money if uh, they, in fact, do get a rebate. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to switch gears, and uh, here's a question. If a woman wants a divorce in today's world, can she force her husband to pay for it? Or she can. 
Uh, she can also for, uh, take the children and even send her husband to jail. That's what our next guest says. And uh, we'll talk with Stephen Baskerville right after this. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I want my son. You can't have him. What makes you so sure he doesn't want me? Late. I'm not that late to him. Only 20 minutes. All the other mothers were there before you. It will never happen again, okay? I'm not saying he doesn't need his father, but I really believe he needs me more. I'm his mother. My wife says that she loves Billy, and I believe she does, but I'd like to know... What law is it that says that a woman is a better parent simply by virtue of her sex? Do mothers have the advantage in divorce cases? Uh, That is the subject of a new book and also today's discussion with our guest, Stephen Baskerville. Of course, those were the voices of Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman in the Academy Award 1979 movie Kramer versus Kramer. And uh, boy, did you see that movie? Do you remember it? I do. And uh, it was heartrending. And uh, we've come a long way since then. In the 1970s, uh, we began to foist no-fault divorce on this nation. And, of course, we've had a lot of folks saying that uh, it ended up hurting women because uh, women ended up uh, poor and uh, financially um, losing out in the situation. But our next guest tells us that uh, divorce really hurts kids and hurts men. And uh, that's going to be a very... Interesting discussion. Dr. Stephen Baskerville is with me, and he is former president of the American Coalition for Fathers and Children. He is also assistant professor of government at Patrick Henry College. And uh, Dr. uh, Baskerville, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's good to be here. Tell me how uh, a a divorce hurts men, uh, maybe in a sense more than it hurts women these days. Well, it's not really a question of men versus women. What divorce does, of course, is it tears apart families. And this is, this is well known. What is not well known, and what I try to emphasize in the book, is the extent to which divorce is for, forced upon people, um, particularly fathers, but sometimes mothers as well, by the government. Um, divorce is not usually something two people agree upon nowadays. It's usually something one person does with the assistance of a variety of government bureaucracies, uh, by which, which allows them to not only to divorce unilaterally, but to seize control of the children and use the children as political weapons to loot and plunder the other parent. And that's what's really happening in divorce today. The book is called Taken... kind of euphemism. Sorry? The book is called Taken Into Custody, The War Against Fathers, Marriage, and the Family. The author is Dr. Stephen Baskerville. And uh, Dr. Baskerville, um, first of all, no-fault divorce, uh, divorce came to the state of California under the governorship of Ronald Reagan, which is quite interesting. Uh, and I think uh, what he thought at that time, and what a lot of people thought, was that it was going to make divorce less messy. It has not done so, has it? No, it's made it far more messy. And it's what has done is shifted the battle from divorce itself to child custody. It's turned children into political weapons. And that's what's going on today. Children have become the political tools of our time. Everybody, every government agency that practices any kind of chicanery always justifies it in terms of children. And that's what divorce courts do. It's what the vast social service bureaucracies do. And all of them thrive on divorce. And mostly the the central principle of divorce today is separate the children from the father. Get the children away from the father. Uh, Until that happens, nobody earns any money. Nobody gets any power. But the whole vast machinery of hangers-on and um, divorce um, operatives, uh, their work and their profits begin once the children are separated from their father. 
Can you explain that a little further? I think this is kind of uh, news to you know some divorced women in this culture. Yes, it's not well known until it until it until it hits you. Uh, but basically, what happens is the divorce industry is offered to mothers and sometimes to fathers as well, but usually to mothers an open invitation. They've essentially said, if you divorce, if you file for divorce, you can take his children, you can take his home, you can take his savings, you can take his earnings. Um, you can even force him to pay your legal fees. And if he raises any objection, we can throw him in jail without trial. This is an unbelievable violation of the private sphere of life, of the constitutional rights of millions of American citizens. These divorce courts are completely out of control. They are the most corrupt institutions in America. They are the most repressive government machine in America. And they are trampling on the Bill of Rights, uh, mostly by taking, by, through the process of divorce and by taking children from their fathers. As I say, it's not always fathers, sometimes mothers as well. But these courts have claimed the right to seize control of people's children just because their spouse files for divorce, even if they have done nothing wrong. The book, again, is taken into custody, The War Against Father's Marriage and the Family, and Phyllis Schlafly has endorsed it. She says this book is a tremendous and much-needed report on how family courts and government policies are harming children. Uh, But I take it that she agrees, of course, with the statement that you make, Dr. Baskerville, that uh, not only does divorce hurt women, it also hurts men. You know, we always hear about deadbeat dads, uh, and we hear about... uh, men having affairs to a greater degree than women, which may not be really the case. And also we hear about domestic violence. So you're giving some sort of, I don't think that you're negating these problems. You're just adding to this. I I am, excuse me, I am negating them very much. These are, these most, everything that you've named is essentially a campaign of feminist propaganda for which there is not a a shred of evidence uh, that these figures exist in, in any significant numbers. And Mrs. Schlafly herself has written a number of columns on these same subjects over the last couple of years. Uh, I've investigated this for my book. I've done the social science research. There is not a shred of evidence that there's large numbers of fathers abandoning their children and not paying child support. Uh, it is entirely a creation of the divorce machinery. The domestic violence hysteria, and that's what it is, is hysteria, is entirely a creation of the feminist-driven divorce industry. And... Um, People like Judy Pareko and another researcher has shown that the no-fault divorce was entirely a creation of the bar associations and working in conjunction with the feminist groups as long ago as the 1940s. So who's benefiting right now? Um, the entire, the massive legal industry, the lawyers, the judges, the psychotherapists, the, uh, the custody evaluators, the mediators, the counselors, the huge entourage of hangers-on that thrive on, on involuntary divorce and, of course, the feminist groups who are driving this ideologically. How are they doing so and why? The feminists started this, as I said, as long ago as 1940, the feminists and the bar associations were drafting no-fault divorce legislation. They saw that if they could allow the government to take control of people's homes and people's lives and people's children, that there would be huge profits for the, for the bar associations and for the lawyers. And that's what's happened with divorce. We've never had any debate in this country about what the implications of, of no-fault divorce are of allowing people, uh, uh, the implications are that you lose your children, you lose your home, you can be thrown out of your home, you can be, lose everything you have, uh, and you've done nothing legally wrong, and you've never even agreed to a divorce. And yet the courts come in and claim the right to seize everything you have, including your children, and to jail you without trial if you raise any objection. You know, you talk about um, the fact, not the fact, but uh, the idea that there aren't that many deadbeat dads out there, but I, I know 
cases of deadbeat dads, but but I don't know of any cases of men being jailed over um, a divorce situation. So you there know, are many ways in which the divorce courts have of jailing men, and it's always almost always without trial. Once a, uh, the moment your your spouse or your wife files for divorce, you can you're hauled into court, and she is or sometimes he is given immediate temporary custody. That so-called that means that the other parent can be arrested for trying to see their own children when they are not authorized by the government. If they try to see their children when they're not authorized, they can be arrested. If they are accused of domestic violence without a shred of evidence that they're guilty, they can be arrested. If they are accused of child abuse without any evidence presented, they can be arrested. If they cannot pay the child support, which may be two-thirds or three-quarters or more of their salary, they can be arrested. If they don't pay lawyers, they can be arrested. Okay, Dr. Baskerville, we're coming up on a break. Can you stay with us for the next segment? I certainly will. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, um, give us a call. I want you to weigh in on this. The number is 800-881-9270. But what I don't want is personal stories, uh, you know, or he said, she said stories. I want you to talk about the policy that we're talking about, and that is no-fault divorce uh, general statements about how divorce her, uh, hurts men or hurts women or hurts children. Uh, I think you understand what I mean because uh, we we just don't have the time to go into personal stories. Again, the number is 800-881-9270. Uh, Dr. Baskerville, before we go to a break, can you give us some positives? Because I know there have been attempts in some states to try to uh, get rid of no-fault divorce, and certainly that would be a wonderful idea, and I think it would be a huge accomplishment. But what else? What can be done? Well, we really need to solve the child custody question because that's where the battle is today. Just simply repealing no-fault divorce would allow people to live in permanent adultery, but it, it, wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't solve the problem. We have, to, um, we have to guarantee the parent-child bond, as we once did. The government, uh, there was once a, a time when parents were recognized to have a right to the care, custody, and companionship of their children. That has been abrogated by the divorce laws and by the divorce courts, and that needs to be restored. In Virginia, the Mike, Mike McManus uh, serves on the Marriage Commission here. And he has put forth some very constructive proposals, Mike McManus of Marriage Savers, very constructive proposals for how to address these, these questions uh, of child custody and of, and of divorce. All right. Uh, a well-researched book, Taken into Custody, The War Against Fathers, Marriage, and the Family. The uh, author is Stephen Baskerville, Ph.D., He is former president of the American Coalition for Fathers and Children. He is also assistant professor of government at Patrick Henry College. We are taking your calls. People are lining up to talk about this, and uh, we will take them in the next segment. Again, the number is 881-9270. Not personal stories, but we do want to talk about this whole idea of divorce. One of the questions I want to ask you after the break, Dr. Baskerville, is, and it's been emailed in by one of our listeners, Christopher, is uh, who is more likely to initiate divorce, men or women, and how often are divorces due to high conflict in marriage? He says he knows the answer. We want to hear it from you. And again, we're taking your calls, 881-9270. Stay with us for more of Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking about a problem that touches millions of families across the nation. So stay with us.
The Bible says for every time there is a season, and this is a new season at the Criswell College in Dallas. Enroll now for the spring term starting January 21st. Criswell College has a practical, intense, and comprehensive approach to ministry training. We provide encounter missions and get students out into the churches and into the world so they can learn by application and experience. We cover all aspects of ministry, from counseling to biblical languages, from Jewish and Old Testament studies to New Testament studies, from the ancient world to modern cultures. I'm Dr. Barry Creamer, and as Associate Professor of Humanities, I get to know the students, and I'm excited about their personal vision for ministry. Come to Criswell College, and let's impact the world together for Christ. Call 800-899-0012. That's 800-899-0012. Or check us out on the web at criswell.edu. Classes begin January 21st at the Criswell College in Dallas. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. In the Word of God, uh, there's a lot about God's plan for marriage, uh, and there's something about divorce, too. In fact, in the book of Malachi, it says the Lord of God of Israel says that he hates divorce. It also talks about uh, that uh, we should not deal treacherously with one another, which is often what happens in divorce. Uh, But ladies and gentlemen, instead, uh, in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about loving Husbands loving their wives as themselves. Wives respecting their husbands. Lots of other prescriptions for marriage and for a wonderful marriage. And uh, I wish and pray that for all of you. But the reality is there is divorce in this country. And uh, we are talking about it today with Dr. Stephen Baskerville. And he's got a new book about it, uh, Taken into Custody, The War Against Father's Marriage and the family, and uh, we are taking your calls. Let's go directly to the phones and talk to Deborah in North Richland Hills. Deborah, thank you for calling. Oh, hi. Thank you all for taking my call. No, I, I just wanted to comment. Um, I've been listening, and, um, of course, God hates divorce. I'm, I'm a Christian, and, and we know that as Christians. There, there are times, though, unfortunately, when, when divorce is necessary. And I just, in listening to the, to the doctor who wrote the book, the professor, I just feel like he's going off on, you know, that, that every divorce is against a man and it's unfair. And, you know, I just, I think we have to take each case by case. I think way. what he's doing is bringing out information that's not uh, discussed as much, uh, because often, uh, uh, the female, the hurt of the female side of the equation is more discussed and more talked about. Stephen, am I correct? Yes, I did not say that it's always the father. Sometimes the genders are reversed and the, and the father does it to the mother. Uh, it's not a question of men versus women or fathers and mothers. It's a question of, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a question really of money and power. And it's, it's the extent to which this divorce machinery and these vested interests that have grown up around divorce are forcing involuntarily divorce upon children, upon fathers. Well, what about just the sin nature of man and and the selfishness of human beings uh, in a marriage? I mean, that's greatly responsible for this, isn't it? Well, it certainly is. And and, uh, yes, if we paid more attention to the Scriptures, I think we uh, we wouldn't be in this trouble. And if the churches, I think, paid more attention to the Scriptures, too, uh, we might be... uh, we might be in better shape, but the question really here is what, what, what do we allow our government to do? We have a constitution for a reason. We have a long history of case law which says that parents have a right to the care, custody, and companionship of their children. And um, we have, of course, biblical injunctions telling us to, uh, to raise our children properly. And yet what's happening here is the government, we've put the government in a position where they're allowed to 
simply invade the homes, confiscate children, take away children from their parents without giving any reason other than say, waving a piece of paper that says divorce on it, even if you didn't agree to a divorce, even if you didn't give grounds for a divorce. Simply by using the word divorce, the government claims the right to take over your private home. You're, private you're, you're, act, you're acting like the, the married couple, one or the other, is not the impetus for this. Well, no, one of them certainly usually is, although actually it's interesting that you mention that. We have documented cases now of parents, of mothers, who are not simply enticed into divorce with these various financial incentives. We have cases of mothers actually being ordered to divorce their husbands on pain of losing their children. In other words, mothers are told, if you do not divorce your okay. husband... Okay, Let's, let, let me ask children. you another question, because we really don't have a lot of time in this segment, but I, I teased that I would ask this. Who's more likely to initiate divorce, and uh, how often is it due to high conflict in marriage? Because I think it's usually due to that. It's a good question. Uh, overwhelmingly, divorces are filed by mothers, uh, especially when children are involved. It's, it's the woman. Overwhelmingly. Um, some, uh, at least, you can document about two-thirds of the cases... Um, some people will tell you 80 to 90 or even 100% of divorces are effectively initiated by the woman when children are involved. And most of the cases are not high conflict, are, are not at all. Most conflict takes place after the divorce. It's usually the case that the mother gets involved with uh, <clears throat> feminist groups or battered women's shelters or legal groups that explain to her all of the enticements, all of the nice things she can get by filing for divorce. And, and it usually doesn't why... turn out that way. Usually women end up poor. Well, let's go to Diane in Bedford. Uh, Diane's calling in uh, to ask a question. Go ahead. Um, hi. Thank you for accepting my call. Uh, yes, my name is Diane, and I am a legal assistant in family law and uh, in a uh, nice little law firm in Bedford, Texas. And uh, we have been dealing with divorce situations for over 10 years. And I have to tell you, not Bottom line is, the courts care about the kids. Bottom line is, the courts care about the welfare of the children. And, well. and, and the, you know, it's like I have never heard of a man's 75% of his income going to child support. In the state of Texas, okay, for one child, it's 20% of his net income claiming zero, which well. is which is means that you know he's you know that that and if he's got a second child it's 25 percent and it goes up to uh like 40 percent of his income you know as considering how many children he has i have never heard in my 10 years of practice i have never heard of a man being thrown in jail without due cause with police reports repeated police reports now, well, wait a minute. okay, I'm going to I'm going to I'm not going to let you go, uh, Diane, but I want to let our guests respond. Yeah, well, so first of all, this is simply not true. We have documented cases of fathers paying actually more in child support than, than their income. There is no limit to the amount that a judge can order in child support, and they have financial incentives themselves to set child support as high as possible. They do not have to adhere to guidelines at all. They can depart from them, and again, they are under great pressure from the feminist groups and the bar associations and the federal government, I might add, to set child support as high as possible. Uh, there has never been a debate in this country about how much child support is reasonable, uh, about under what circumstances a man can pay child support. Your, your caller, by her admission, said, admitted that these are not cases of jury trials. There's no jury trial. There's no conviction for non-payment of child support. It's summary incarceration. You are incarcerated by a judge who makes the decision that you will go to jail without trial. And this is the norm in family court. There is no jury trial for domestic violence. There's no jury trial 
for child abuse. There's no jury trial for child support. There's no jury trial when okay. you're ordered to Okay, I've got to jump in. I promised Diane she could have another word, and Diane, it's got to be very short. We're almost at the end. Do you have another there word? There are child support guidelines in the state of Texas. Okay. And these are to protect everybody. And I have had so many divorce situations where the husband and the wife work out an amicable agreement as far as visitation. Okay, as as I've, got to, I've got to interrupt you. I'm sorry uh, because we're coming up on the end of the program, but you at least got to make that point. And uh, Dr. Baskerville, I am sorry also that we're coming up on the end. This is a very interesting discussion, and uh, perhaps we can continue it at another time, but we appreciate you being with us. Thank you. I hope you will investigate this further. Uh, That is Dr. Stephen Baskerville, and the name of his book is Taken into Custody, The War Against Fathers, Marriage, and the Family. And, of course, uh, divorce is a fact of life in this country. There could be some things we could do legislatively. Certainly the church uh, needs to take a greater stand uh, in this area and help couples to reconcile. Uh, And uh, there's a lot more to talk about. I think we've kind of uh, just scratch the surface here on Jerry Johnson Live. But I do want to mention that next week, Jason Elam, Denver Broncos kicker, will be uh, one of our guests. Also, Senator Jim DeMent, uh, Bill Dembski, Intelligent Design, will be a guest. And also Dr. Richard Land, as we talk about God and country for the rest of this month. So join us next week and have a great weekend. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.